created a slight breach of etiquette by skipping the triple dare and going right for the throat. All right, all right. There was no going back now. This is next. trying to say is, Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It will be an honor, sir. <laughs> yes, please. Why is your name on the desk? I bought the desk. My name's there somewhere and steals it. That's a joke, isn't it? So, what are we going to build? Well, uh, we don't do that kind of work here, pal. Buddy Deal, what's your favorite color? Put that down. Hello? Don't hear any more. Ryan, that's enough. I'm sorry. He, uh, he thinks you're Santa Claus. <laughs> I am. Merry Christmas. Uh, uh, Merry, Merry Christmas. Nuts, I should have got his autograph. Christmas present from a very dear friend of mine. children. Yeah. Just keep your receipts. 10 a.m. tomorrow. 10 a.m. tomorrow. Santa's coming to town. Yes. Can you sign this for me? Yeah. 
Good evening, everyone. Let's stand together. Tonight, we're going to uh, do some singing together, and we'll do some um, readings from Scripture, and we'll have some responses together. In fact, uh, after uh, some of the Scripture readings, every time we'll do the response of simply saying, I think we'll throw it up there. The reader will say, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we'll all say, come, let us adore Him. After each of the readings, we'll light one of the candles in the Advent wreath. Candles are so wonderful because they're sort of, they catch your attention. They continue perpetually to, to be lit and sort of help us to remember. Each one of the candles stands for something about the Christ child. The first candle is the candle of hope, helping us to remember that Jesus is the hope of the world. The second candle is the candle of preparation, anticipation. The third one, which is the pink one, is the candle of joy, which I think means girls have more joy than boys. And then the fourth one <laughs> is the candle of love. And after or during communion, uh, we'll light the white candle, which is the Christ candle. It's white because it stands for the purity of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So tonight as we sing and we open our hearts to Him, we pray that, uh, that your hearts will be open that you'll celebrate today the, the, the wonderful presence of Jesus in our midst. Lord, we come to you. We come with expectation. We ask you to help our hearts be oriented to you. But God, that somehow our hearts will be positioned for 2012 in a fresh and open way. We ask in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let's begin with a cry of joy.
walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness a light has dawned you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy for unto us a child is born to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father Prince of Peace. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Oh, come, let us adore him.
glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, and he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised to our ancestors. Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. O come, come, let us adore him. Mary, full of grace, the Lord your God is with. Blessed are you to bless all the world. Mary, peace is yours. The Spirit is 
turn to one another and greet each other with grace and peace and Merry Christmas. You stand up and greet each other and then y'all can have a seat. Because this is our regular weekend of services, we don't have services tomorrow, I want to invite those of you that are part of the community to prepare your tithes and offerings. If you're a guest with us, please don't feel pressured to participate. If you're part of this community, feel all the pressure you possibly can. <laughs> um, I'm uh, going to read just a text. You remember the story, the narrative of Christ's coming. And it was sometime after he was born the scripture says in Matthew 2, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. Isn't it wonderful to hear the children crying out tonight? I, I was thinking, I love it. We're usually such a proper church with everybody. Being, and I thought, who's yelling here? What adults are yelling? It's the children. We love the children. <laughs> Cry out, little ones. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east, came to Jerusalem and they asked, where is the one who's been born, king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. We don't really know what this is about, but something happened that captured their imagination. And it says in verse 9, after they had heard the king, they went on their way and they followed the star until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and they worshipped. And as a part of their worship, they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts. Somehow, when we encounter the Christ, there's something in us that wants to give. And certainly, finances are only a part of what we are, but they represent us because we invest our time and we usually get paid for that. So it represents a part of our lives. And so tonight, as we give, I want to encourage you to just give, realizing you're laying a part of your life before the Lord. And at this time of Christmas, it's like we're visiting him and worshiping the infant Jesus. This month, particularly this community, has uh, decided to, above our basic uh, 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 normal kind of operational funds, 
that everything above that we're giving toward uh, building wells. We've done this every year for several years. And uh, we build wells in different parts of the world where there are folks that are in developing countries that have no access to running water. So it's been a very, very cool thing to do. We're excited about that this year as well. This gives you a little picture of what we're doing. Prepare your offers. We'll come back and take them in just a moment. Father, we come tonight with our gifts and our offerings, our tithes, and we ask you to bless them and to receive them from our hands through Christ our Lord. And everybody said, Amen. Go ahead and receive.
same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Brothers and sisters, Israel's joy and consolation has become our hope. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, 
stand up again and we're going to say a prayer. I'll pray this over you and there's a response for all of you to say it after me and we'll pray together. Let me pray this over us first. God of love, Father of all, the darkness that covered the earth has given way to the bright dawn of your word made flesh. Make us a people of this light. Make us faithful to your word, that we may bring your life to the waiting world. Grant this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let's say this together. Let the just rejoice, for their justifier is born. Let the sick and infirm rejoice, for their Savior is born. Let the captives rejoice, for their Redeemer is born. Let the slaves rejoice, for their master is born. Let free men rejoice, for their liberator is born. Let all Christians rejoice, for Jesus Christ is born. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Go ahead and be seated. We have the pleasure of having uh, Rabu here tonight who ministers to our kids here in the Jenks campus, and he's going to come and invite the children. Brother Rabu, come on. Good evening. Okay, good evening. Yes, I like that. You respond back. That's so awesome. Yes. Uh, I want to invite all 
six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and eleven-year-old, twelve-year-old kids, soon to be young adults, to come on down and sit down for a, um, I would call it a, a reading treat. Pastor don't call it a treat. It's not candy, but it's better. It's a reading treat, and you get to hear a very awesome story. So come on, begin to come on down. If you are six, seven, yes, eight, nine, ten, eleven, or twelve, come and sit right here in the front. Now, parents, if you have a child younger than six and you want to bring them down and sit down here with them during story time you are more than welcome to come on down and sit with your child and if you're a little if you want to come anyway and sit down you just like story time you are more than welcome to come and sit down with us and enjoy a great reading from our pastors one of our pastors the sharps you guys are almost ready oh you're good yes awesome give rabu a hand Children, boy, the noise of Christmas. Um, I, I faintly remember that noise. Our kids are all grown now. And so Janice and I were sitting here on the front row going, we're just interceding for you parents that have children, okay? We pray for you. We'll be going to sleep at night praying for you. And, uh, but we will be home in a very quiet home. And uh, anyway, we love our kids. Kids, um, do you like stories? you like your parents to tell you stories? Our kids loved that when they were little. That was kind of one of the favorite things that we got to do is to tell stories. There's something about a story that we all find ourselves in the midst of that story. And so the Christmas story is the greatest story ever told. And we're going to share a story about that story today. Uh, this, is a, uh, um, this is an old story that was written in the late 1800s. And it's... Uh, Historical fiction. Now, for you children, that just means it's not exactly true. Okay, this isn't in the Bible, but it's about a true story. It's about the true story of of Jesus and the wise men. But this talks about a fourth wise man, another wise man, and what that might tell us about Christmas and what this Christmas is all about. So we're going to just read this, and and then the children, we're going to send them back to you in a few minutes, and so. <laughs> You have a few moments of reprieve here, and uh, then we're going to take communion together this evening. In the days when Augustus Caesar was the ruler of many kings, including Herod, who reigned in Jerusalem, there lived among the mountains of Persia a certain man named Artaban. Artaban was one of the Magi, men who study the heavens in search of truth about God. He and three of his friends from far away had discovered in the ancient writings a promise that at a special time, a beautiful new star would rise in the eastern sky. At the rising of that perfect star, a great king would be born. He would be the truth sent from the one God, the Son of the Most High. Artaban believed the time was very near. He had sold his house and all he owned to buy three jewels to carry um, as gifts for the newborn king. Now as the sun began to set, Artaban reached into his colorful silk tunic and brought out the three great gems, a sapphire as blue as the Persian uh, sky at night, a ruby as red as the first rays of sunrise, and a pearl as white and pure as the snow. Artaban held the priceless gems together in his hands and gazed into the darkening sky. That was when he first saw the tiny spark on the horizon. He watched it grow larger and larger as it rose higher into the sky with flashes of light surrounding it. It is the sign, exclaimed Artaban, the king is coming, and I will go to meet him. 
Artaban's three friends had said they would wait for him only 10 days after sighting the star. He knew he must race to meet them at the temple of Babylon, or they would leave to seek the king without him. Quickly, saddling Vazda, his fastest horse, Artaban galloped off, barely stopping for food or drink. He rode across brown mountain slopes and level green plains. He picked his way carefully over rocky mountain passes and crossed swirling rivers. Poor Vazda was exhausted and could hardly walk as night fell on the tenth day, but Artaban urged his horse onward. Suddenly, Vazda stopped, and Artaban saw something in the road. He approached the dark shape for a closer look. It was the body of a man. The man seemed dead, but as Artaban turned to go, the poor man reached out one hand and grasped the hem of the wise man's robe. The man was still alive. Artaban saw that without help, the sick man would not live. If Artaban nursed him, the man would recover quickly. But Artaban would be too late to meet his friends at the temple. He turned his eyes towards the star he had been following and prayed, God of truth and light, show me the way of wisdom, which only you know. Artaban turned back to the sick man. He carried the man to the foot of a palm tree. There he gave the poor fellow cool water and a healing potion from the remedies he always carried. For several hours, Artaban cared for the man as he slowly regained his strength. Finally, the man awoke and asked, Who are you? Artaban told the man of his quest. I have nothing to repay you for your kindness, said the man, but I will tell you this. From our Hebrew prophets, we have learned that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem, not in Jerusalem, and that is where you must seek him. Thanking the man, Artaban galloped off towards the temple, but the sun's first rays were shining as they entered the grounds. Anxiously, Artaban searched for his friends, but they were gone. He found a note which read, We have waited past midnight and can delay no longer. We go to find the king. Follow us across the desert. Artaban sat upon the ground in despair. How can I cross the desert, he cried, with no food and an exhausted horse. I must return, sell my sapphire, and buy a camel and food for the journey. Only God knows whether I will lose my chance to find the king because I stopped to show kindness. And so the other wise man sold his precious sapphire, bought a camel and supplies, and set out across the desolate desert. There's a chorus erupting over here. <laughs> <laughs> After many weeks, Artaban arrived in Bethlehem. He came upon a stone cottage. Sitting inside was a young woman rocking her baby to sleep. Artaban knocked at the open door, and the woman motioned for him to enter. Artaban told the woman of his three friends and the baby for whom he searched. The young mother listened and nodded, saying, Yes, there were three strangers from the east who came and gave precious gifts to Joseph and Mary and their newborn son. But they left suddenly, and just last night, Joseph took his little family and disappeared. It is whispered that they fled to Egypt to escape some unknown danger. Artaban's heart sank. He had failed once more. Suddenly there came the noise of wild confusion and uproar in the street. Women screamed, men cried out, and the, changing of the clanging of swords and armor filled the air. Artaban ran to the doorway of the cottage as the woman snatched up her baby and hid in the shadows of the room. The soldiers, the soldiers of Herod, are coming for our children. The shouts filled the air as a towering centurion approached the tiny cottage. Artaban stood still, filling the doorway, and glared into the soldiers' eyes. 
Then he slowly reached into his tunic and brought out the huge ruby, watching the soldier's face gleam with greed. I am here all alone, said Artaban, and waiting to give this gem to the centurion who will leave me in peace. Quickly the soldier snatched the jewel, then turned and shouted, March on, there is no child here. The soldiers ran on down the street, leaving the other wise man and the grateful mother weak with relief. O God of truth, forgive me for giving to a man that gift was to be for you. The woman spoke softly over her sleeping child. Because you have saved my little ones, may the Lord bless you and keep you all your days. The next morning, Artaban decided to follow the baby king and his family into the land of Egypt, but his task was not an easy one. Month after month, year after year, the other wise men searched for his king. He traveled to the, to the pyramids and to the Sphinx, to the palaces of the Pharaoh and the river. But always the answer was the same. No king was to be found. Although he did not find anyone to worship, he found many to help. He fed the hungry and bought clothes for the naked. He cared for the sick and visited those in prison. Still, he carried the beautiful pearl close to his heart, hoping one day to present it to the one he continued to seek. After 33 years of searching, Artaban had grown very old and tired, but he decided to take one last journey. He thought that perhaps he might find the clue that would lead him to the king. Arriving in Jerusalem, Artaban watched a pushing, shouting crowd in the narrow streets. What is this uproar, he asked the shopkeeper. Have you not heard, the man replied, two famous robbers are to be crucified today along with another man called Jesus, who claimed to be the son of God. He's going to be executed because he said he was the king of the Jews. Artaban's heart raced. Could it be that he had found his king at last? Perhaps if he hurried, he could arrive in time to offer his great pearl to the enemies of the king and rescue him before he died. Gathering his robes around him, Artaban hurried up the dusty street. Just before he reached the city gates, he was stopped by a troop of soldiers, dragging a young woman whose hair and dress were tangled and torn. She cried out, have pity, kind sir. My father died owing these men a great sum of money. I am to be sold as a slave to pay the debt. Please save me from a life worse than death. Artaban was so close to the end of his search for his king. Could he give it all up now? Then he looked into the eyes of the helpless girl. One thing was certain. Rescuing her would be a true deed of love. And wasn't the ability to love the gift of the one true God? Artaban placed the pearl in the hand of the weeping girl. This is your ransom, child, he said. It is the last of my treasures which were to be given to the king. At that moment, the sky darkened and echoing peals of thunder rumbled through the hot streets of Jerusalem. The walls of the houses rocked to and fro as the earth rolled like the waves of the sea. The soldiers fled in terror, leaving Artaban and the girl alone. Suddenly, a heavy section of the roof tile broke loose and crashed down upon the other wise men. As Artaban fell to the ground, he heard a quiet yet insistent voice speak to him over the thunder. Artaban, the voice called softly. You have been a good and faithful servant. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was naked, and you brought me clothes. I was in prison, and you visited me. Come now to the rest I have prepared for you. Not so, Lord, whispered Artaban with the last of his strength. When did I do all these things for you? And the voice answered, Whenever you helped one of my people in need, you helped me. The peace of understanding fell upon Artaban's soul 
like a gentle rain, and he smiled. His journey on earth was ended. His treasures were accepted. The other wise men had found the king. Well, Christmas is a very magical time. Can you clap? And uh, we're going to be talking about gifts. Any of you interested in gifts tomorrow? Yes. 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 (laughs) We believe that each of you are a gift, that uh, this is the time that we celebrate um, Jesus coming to be with us, and we give gifts to to remember that he came to be in us so that we can then be like him in the world and that we can give our gift to the world. So you did a wonderful job, kids. You can go back back to your parents now. I feel like the most appropriate thing that we can do as we, as we close this evening is um, to remember what the purpose of this day was. As we celebrate communion, we're really recognizing the true meaning of Christmas, that Jesus came to be with us. The word Emmanuel that we sing about a lot, God with us, that he comes to be with us. He came to live a life so that we might have life, so we might have new life, abundant life, and experience joy and peace. He literally came so that he might give his life in the most significant way that you could ever give your life away. And part of that story and really part of our life now is to take what he's given to us and let's pass that on to others. It's it's all about how do we take the life that he's given us and pass that life on. So I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. We're going to encourage you to come as a a family to communion. If it's your first time here, we'll start with the, the front row and come and take a piece of the bread and dip it in in uh, one of the cups here and go back to your seats. And we're just going to worship together as, as we go forward and uh, acknowledge the, the body and the blood of Jesus. Father, we trust you, Lord, as we even read a story about the story, Lord, uh, really every story in all of our life, every story that's been written is really has little glimpses of the big story. The big story is about you. It's about this season. It's about this day. We acknowledge your life, birth, the life that you lived. And now we come and acknowledge what you gave, the sacrifice that was given for us. We honor you as King of kings and Lord of lords. We trust you. We worship you tonight. In Jesus' name.
Let's all stand one last time if you would. Let me say this benediction over you. We pray that you'll be filled with the wonder that Mary carried, the obedience of Joseph, the joy of the angels, the eagerness of the shepherds, the determination of the magi, and the peace of the Christ child. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit bless you now and forever. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. We saved the most spiritual song for the end. It goes like this. We, 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 we wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. God bless you.